if you're just buying one-offs, the closer, the better. You don't want to drive across town. You don't want to have your maintenance people drive across town. That just costs money. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always on these Wednesdays, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about you, Todd? Doing well, doing well. Um, man, just another day in paradise, that's all. Yes, indeed. I think uh, spring is finally here for Minnesota. Really? It's freaking cold out today, Matt. It's like cool. 25 degrees, I swear. I was just outside and almost got lifted away by the wind. So I don't know about you, but spring is not here for me. Uh, well, but by the time this episode releases, it's supposed to be in the 70s. Oh, well, that, there you go. There you go. Well, cool. Um, Matt, we're going to we're gonna do something. Uh, maybe, I guess we've done it things like this before, but we're going to start a series. So why don't you tell our listeners what we're going to be doing? Yeah, we're going to have a series of uh, different episodes where we talk about different asset classes. Yeah, and so we'll we'll dive in uh, to the various asset classes. We probably won't be able to cover all of them because there's a lot of stuff out there, but uh, we'll dive in kind of all the major food groups, at least in, in real estate. Uh, and maybe we'll even dive into stuff that has a real estate kind of, you know, kind of feel or has some real estate involved, but is is definitely more of a business as well. So, um, but we're going to start from the basics. So what are we going to hit on today? Well, we're going to be talking about one to four units. So single family, duplexes, triplexes, and quads. Yeah. So any listener, if you ever hear me talk about single families, I'm usually talking about anything that's one to four family house. And I know the technical term for a single family means a single family, right? Single family lives there. One person or one, one household lives there. That's technically a single family. But I usually, when I'm talking about multifamily, I'm talking about larger buildings. And a lot of people, when they talk multifamily, they're actually talking about like a four unit building or a duplex. And in my opinion, it's not, I mean, technically it is a multifamily, but in my opinion, that's not really multifamily. It's, it falls more into that single family realm. Um, so why are we covering one to four family as like the same? Uh, for for me, it they have a lot of similar similarities. Um, they have the same lending practices on them. So a single family home all the way through a fourplex, you can get the same loan or very similar loan. Um and, you know, it's still small property, even though the one has multiple tenants. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, certainly easier to get a loan for a residential property in a one to four unit than a commercial, which would be five to, you know, or more units or, or a different kind of uh, commercial type of property. Yeah, and that's the big difference, right? So a residential property, and you said it just right, a residential property is one to four units. A commercial property is over four units, so five or more. And and so if you're going to do a commercial multifamily, the technical term would be a commercial multifamily, it's five units or larger, you're no longer going to qualify with a loan that is in your personal name, you know, Fannie, Freddie, you know, you live there type uh, type of loan. You're not, you're not going to get those types of loans. You're going to have to go through like a commercial bank. Um, you can even get agency debt if it's the, a, a big enough price, but 
you're going to have to go through a more of a commercial bank and get a different type of loan. Yeah. And especially if you move into the property and house hack it, then it's even easier. Like it, often it's a lower down payment, a little better terms, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a, so let's, let's talk about this asset class. So, so single family, one to four unit uh, properties, what we're talking about and easiest thing to, in my opinion, to get into because it's natural. Most people end up buying a house to live in. And so you can get into it both uh, purposefully and accidentally. Um, some people become accidental landlords where they buy a house. Maybe they go through a divorce. Maybe they end up getting married. Um, so they bought it when they were a bachelor, they get married. Um, whatever it might be, or, or they take a new job in a different location, whatever it is, um, they have, they buy a two bedroom house. It's them and their, their, you know, spouse and they buy a two bedroom house. And all of a sudden they have, you know, three kids and six dogs. And they're like, well, can't live here anymore. We got got to up upgrade, you know, what are we going to do with this house? Ah, let's just rent it. You know? So all of a sudden they become this, uh, accidental landlord. They didn't, that wasn't their intention, but of the, they became one. So that, that's definitely a way a lot of people get into it. And, and other people are much more purposeful. They're like, Hey, I want to buy this single family or small multifamily. I want to buy these properties and and start, you know, building a portfolio. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, when they're starting to invest the idea of you know, like, what can I afford to get? And that's usually a one to four unit place. So that seems the most yeah. achievable, the easiest bite to take out versus jumping in like, Oh, my first property is going to be a hundred units. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's even, you know, also just familiar too. So you're right. Financially makes a lot more sense, right? Uh, Hey, I can afford to buy this, you know, single family duplex four unit, whatever. Um, but also it's comfort, it's comfortable because it's a single family or duplex or whatever. I lived in one of those. I've rented one of those. Like they, they know what, I know what's going on. You could go buy a single, you know, or small, small commercial building as well. And you could probably spend the same amount of money, have the same similar down payment, but you're not likely as comfortable with that because, you know, unless you, you know, unless your mom or dad or aunt or uncle own something like that, or, you know, just like, you're just not as familiar with that. That's it's something most people aren't com as comfortable with. So I think it's just easy. It feels good. Um, man, there's so much information out there about it. You know, so it's so it's easy to get into those those deals. Yeah, there's a lot of books, you know, a lot of uh, podcasts, a lot of uh, you know blogs online. Just yeah, you're right. A lot of information is available for those one to four units. The other thing is there's there's multiple strategies, and I think that's really kind of cool, right? So you can rent long term and and get your traditional you know tenant in there. They're going to pay you. You know, you're set them up on a year lease, and and that's all good. Um, you can also potentially get a more of a corporate renter in there where they're renting your place and, and people might live there for a month and move out. And um, they, a corporation might even just sign a one, two, three year lease on it, five year lease on it. And they're paying you a set amount, but they're moving people in and out, you know, as they get a new employee, that's, you know, typically it's going to be a, you know, a higher end house, uh, maybe have a higher higher paid employee and they're going to move the family in there for a couple months while they settle in and find their own house to, to buy. And, and so the corporate's going to potentially have all the furniture there for them, or you're providing the furniture, but they're going to pay you um, a rate and, and they might 
lease that long-term. They might also lease it short-term. There's also short-term placements. And so you might be going to several different corporations or there's companies out there that specialize in, in just getting these corporate rentals. Uh, you also have, of course, short-term rentals where you can rent it by the night, by the week, by, you know, the, the month. So there's those old short-term rentals too. Um, that's really popular with single families, duplexes, quads. Um, you can also rent it to various other groups. Uh, mine is kind of a corporate rental, I guess. I, I've got one that is a triplex and we rent one of the units out to the NHL and, uh, they, they bring in, uh, you know, refs that are going through training essentially. And they stay there. So that's really more of a corporate type rental. They, we sign a, a two year lease with them and these younger, uh, guys stay there for nine months. Um, and then three months out of the year, nobody stays there. They actually just pay for it because they, you know, they know they need it. Um, but there's also, you know, you can rent it to other companies. Um, there's, there's companies out there that run adult daycares. There's companies out there that run, um, you know, kid daycares. There's companies out there that run senior housing. Um, and so you can do, um, kind of a master or you can do a lease with them as well. So yeah, lots, group lots homes. Of different yep. What's that? Group homes as well. And then, yeah, uh, group homes. Traveling nurses for like month long leases. Yep. Yep. So I think it provides you a lot of flexibility. Of course, the long term rental is going to be your most traditional and easiest to probably do. But the rest of them, there's so, there's so much options out there. And I think that's a big advantage of a, a single family, small multifamily is that you have a lot of options. Yeah, that's true. Usually, if you have an apartment complex, you're probably not going to do too much like Airbnb, for example. Well, and the lender is going to restrict it in a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Like you can only do a small amount can be that uh, short-term rental, corporate rental, that type of thing. So lenders oftentimes in in larger multifamilies restrict it. Um, The other big advantage of single family especially is that your residents typically stay for a long time. I mean, I've had residents stay for eight years and longer and um take care of the place sometimes you get residents that want to buy it from you um we have not sold the property to anybody who's been our resident but we've had several that would like to buy it and they talk about buying it and it it hasn't worked out yet but um you know they they care about the house we had one resident that they lived there for probably about seven eight years can't remember look at the lease um, but they really love the place. They're looking at buying it. And actually, uh, the riots in Minneapolis uh, were were the death of that. Mm. Uh, they no longer wanted to live in Minneapolis. They wanted to get out because of that. Uh, they thought it was getting to be a dangerous city. And so they said, forget it, we're out. And they moved out to the suburbs. <laughs> but they, they put a lot of money into it. They put granite countertops in for me. They they uh, did a lot of work to the the backyard, the deck. Um, they they re- they did some re- other other remodel and stuff that was really nice. And and you know they always got approval. Hey, can we put in these granite countertops? If you really want to, you know, you can't take them out though once you put them in. 
you know, so, uh, so it's pride of ownership. I think a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times pride of ownership that you get with these single family homes that you, you really don't get with uh, apartment buildings, not nearly as much. Yeah, exactly. With single family, they tend to do, you know, extra maintenance, like uh, lawn care or snow removal or, you know, other things, whereas like duplexes or, or more people, your residents tend not to do that. Yeah. So good point, Matt. So all of our single family homes, our residents take care of the, the lawn, they take care of the snow, they're supposed to take care of the landscaping, all, all of that that's their responsibility. And if we get fined from the city, that fine goes directly to them. They pay the water, they pay the sewer, pay the garbage, they pay the electric, they pay the gas, you know, they pay all the utilities. It's essentially their house. They're paying for everything. They're doing everything. Now they aren't doing the, the, the major maintenance, right? But we do teach them how to do minor maintenance. We do show them, you know, certain things to change out this furnace filter. Um, here's the shutoff valves, right? Here's how you turn, here's how you change the battery in the thermostat, you know, things like that. Now we can't necessarily count on them. So we do have maintenance guys that run through the properties um, on a consistent basis. But a lot of the residents or a lot of times when the maintenance guy goes through, the furnace filter has been changed. Um you know, things have been fixed. So the residents take care of it. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's when you have the long-term tenant in there anyway. Especially short term. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, obviously a big downfall, Matt, is that we don't have scale or it's difficult to scale, right? Scaling is possible. Blackstone and, you know, some of those like the invitation homes and things, you know, they, they have a lot of houses. So it's funny because I was just talking with another person about this. And it's like, hey, mostly most people that they move up to multifamily or move over to commercial and they no longer want to do anything with single family duplexes, stuff like that. But at the same time, we were laughing and saying, well, but then you've got these big companies like Blackstone you know, coming in and buying swaths of single family. And I don't think they're embarrassed about buying their single family homes. In fact, I think they're pretty happy about what they did there. And so I think, you know, a lot of kind of smaller players, um, by smaller, I mean, you know, companies that have 10,000 units and less, they're sitting here going, well, we got to get out of single family homes. And then these other big, big, big players that have billions and billions of real estate, they're like, Hey, we got to get into single family homes. Um, and so I don't think you necessarily need to like consider single family homes, this like first step, it can be an, a food group that you're participating in. Yeah. And, and also I would say for a benefit, it's easy to sell them quick to sell them. Cause there's a lot of other buyers out there, uh, you know, at the same time, that makes it uh, tricky with buying because then uh, you got a lot of competition. Well, so let's talk about the 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 market for single family homes. Where the market for single family homes, I think, is an advantage and a disadvantage, both at the same time. So here's here's the disadvantage: um, if the economy's bad and people are tight and afraid of spending, typically single family homes go down in in value. Okay. Um, that sucks, 
But if the economy is good and people are wanting to buy homes, they go up and they're, it's an emotional buy. They don't go up based on the financials. So they don't go up based on, and even a duplex um, and triplex and four unit. Now, as you get bigger, like the triplex and four unit, it's going to be more financial. The duplex, not really much financial and the single family zero financial, right? So Matt, you know, I got this beautiful house in, um, you know, in, in a nice location and I, you know, I bought it for, let's call it $150,000 and the rent is, the rent is 1800 bucks a month and I'm doing well. I like this property. It's cash flowing really good. But all of a sudden, you know, the market starts to go up like it did in, in you know, 2021, 2022. And I'm like, hey, this house that I bought for 150 is now worth 350. It did, it's not worth 350 because my rent went up from 1800 to 2000, right? That's not why it's worth it. It's worth that amount, 350, 450, 500, whatever it is. It's worth that amount because of the emotional roller coaster that people get on. And I can go ahead and sell that for a ton of money. Now, at the same time, a 2008 happens, right? And all of a sudden things come crashing down in that house that I owned or own that, you know, I bought for 150, maybe it went up to 350 is now only worth, you know, 110. And I'm like, crap, I lost all my equity. Now, where it doesn't matter is if you're smart and you're basing your investment and your leverage on cash flow, who cares? Who cares that it went down in value? Because just wait until it goes up in value. So that that that's the beauty of, in my opinion, I I, I really like that it's based on emotions because it means... I'm not tied to my performance. I'm not tied to the mark, the rental market. I'm not tied to how much my residents are willing to pay. I'm just tied to the emotional roller coaster that the economy has. And so I just need to wait till a really robust time to sell. And if I'm cash flowing, I don't really care. As long as it's in a desirable location, uh, then you can really ride the upswing. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, like anything, right. Um, Location is important in real estate, you know, and I think all these asset classes that we'll talk about location is a big thing. Um, but yeah, for sure. Location, location's huge. Property type is, is big. You know, you want a property that people desire to live. And I think more than anything too, Matt, when we look at single family homes, if you're looking at single family homes or duplexes and you're looking at, okay, should I buy this property? You think about those things. Is it in a, is it in a desirable location in a good school district? And is it a desirable property, desirable property for somebody to live in? If it's a property or like, eh, nobody wants to live, nobody wants to buy this property, but it would become a good rental. I think that's a terrible investment, right? Nobody wants to buy buy this and live in it, but it's okay rental. I'm going to buy it. Now, that's a terrible investment because then you can't sell it, right? But if you're like, yeah, this is a nice house. It's a three bedroom, two bath or whatever it is, like, Got a good layout. Everything looks good. Good neighborhood. Good school district. Perfect. That's a great house to buy. You know, another disadvantage with the one to four units is property management. It's yeah. easy to trick yourself into thinking like, oh, I'll just save on property management by doing it myself. But then yeah. you're doing it yourself. 
But if you're hiring a, a third-party property manager, that's the most expensive uh, kind of property to hire for because then it's like 10% of gross uh, often that you're paying for that uh, versus like larger multifamily, it's much, much less. Yeah, so that that is definitely um, a big portion a big portion of why it's probably not nearly as attractive of an investment, right? It's easy to look at your pro forma and go look at how much money I'm going to make on this thing, and forget how much it's going to cost you to maintain it. It's going to cost you to manage it. It's going to cost you to lease it. You know, the other thing is once a tenant moves out, it's one hundred percent vacant. It's a duplex. It's fifty percent vacant. You're not making money during that month or two. So big disadvantage. I think if you can get into single family and scale quickly, that helps because now the management becomes easier because it's more efficient because you've got more properties. You can start to hire people or the third party property management is going to charge you less per building, right? And it's also, if I lose one tenant, yes, it still affects that house the same, it's still 0% occupied house. But if I've got 50 single family homes and I lose one tenant, I only lost, you know, it's now I'm at 2%, right? So 2% vacancy. That helps if if we're able to do that. Especially if they're located reasonably close to each other. Cause the then, closer the yeah, better. Yeah. Yeah. So you're seeing a lot of these uh, developers build these rent, build the rent communities. Now I think that's like a hybrid and that's, in my opinion, like the best of both worlds. So now we've got the single family homes, people that want to live there. They can stay a long time. They got a nice green space. They, they, everything's taken care of for them. So, so that's a great scenario, right? And you've got it all centrally located. So we can hire a really, a truly professional managers to manage the whole location, the whole site. We can have some amenities. We can get the best of both the best of both the apartments and the single families all in one and we can have a community with you know 50 100 um homes for people to live in whether they're townhouses or single family detached single family houses so those are great communities for people to get into but if you're just buying one offs the closer the better you don't want to drive across town you don't want to have your maintenance people drive across town that just costs money yep exactly and uh, another thing with single or a disadvantage for these small uh, multifamily as well as the single family is that uh, you know when you're rehabbing the units, like each unit is unique, you know, versus a, a large place. Like uh, they're very very similar. So your rehabbers, your your contractors, are, can I get things to a T if you're doing a full renovation? Versus yeah. a single family, if you've got ten single family houses. Everyone is different. And then you have to like buy specific flooring, specific uh, you know appliances, all that kind of stuff. We, you know, when I was doing a lot of single families, we tried to to get it as kind of streamlined as possible. So we'd use the same light fixtures, same cabinets, same same flooring as much as we could. But there's always differences, like you said. It's always you know this this house has hardwood floors already. This house doesn't. You know this this house this the layouts like you know a, a Rambler, a four bedroom Rambler, and this one's a you know, two-story, um, you know, whatever, Queen Elizabeth, you know, it's like four square or whatever. I mean, every, every house is different. And, and so, yeah, certainly you can't get it to be to where it's super efficient with, with the renovations. And 
and getting people in and out of the properties more difficult as far as maintenance people and show people to show it and, and all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's definitely more work on them, but there can be a lot of reward as well. Mm-hmm. So I like them. I don't want to slam them. Um, they're not maybe my favorite food group, but they're definitely a good one that I think is profitable if you do it right. I think that's the hardest part, Matt, is doing it right and truly managing the right way. Um, and being efficient with them. I think most people um, assume the profitability is going to be higher than what it is, and and they miss on that because of the lack of efficiencies with the single family or small multifamily. And um, they might do well on one, but once they get 10, all of a sudden they realize that, that it's difficult. And they were making maybe, you know, 10 grand, 15 grand a year on the one, but now after they got 10, they're averaging only, you know, whatever, five, six grand a year. And they're wondering why, because of the lack of efficiency. That's just how it is. Yeah. I think people are really surprised by that. You know, they watch all these HDTV shows about, you know, rehabbing, you know, and fixed and flipping and stuff. And they're like, oh, this is so easy. I could do this. It'll it'll be fun. I'll I'll do whatever in a weekend. And then they get to it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so much work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the other thing too, is the lending gets harder as you get bigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely harder to find loans. The first five, probably easy. The second five, the next easiest. After that, it gets really difficult. Well, you do have the limit of, you can only have 10 loans in your personal name. Personal uh, name, yeah. Yeah, but uh, like if you're married, 10 in yours, uh, 10 in your spouse's. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. maybe but uh, if you can each separately qualify, but uh, yeah, after that, it's portfolio say. loans. Yeah, portfolio. Uh, I use a lot of local bank loans. All my properties are secured by local banks. And so that's my my properties, my single families, my duplexes, they're all on... Uh, 20 or 25 year amortizations, personally guaranteed. Um, you know, usually uh, I, I I worked a sweet deal with a bank um, several years ago, where we got um, I, I have my almost my whole portfolio is now with them. Uh, 25 year amortization locked for 10 years. And it was a really good interest rate. I can't remember what it, what it is now, but 4% or 3.5% or something like that. Um, but your interest rate is always going to be a little bit higher when you're using those commercial loans. And then it's 25-year AM typically. So it's going to be um, a hit on your cash flow too. But you, of course, you're paying it off faster. So, um, but yeah, um, you know, once you get so many, you've got more hurdles to, to work through. Indeed. But don't let, you never, never let hurdles stop you, right? Never let hurdles stop you. There's always a way around it. There's always a way to continue forward. Um, But single family homes, man, I mean, I tell you, they can be a a good food group to get into if you do it right. If you can scale properly, if you can put the right systems and process in place, it can still be a good food group to be in. And, uh, you know, don't be embarrassed to say you got a bunch of single family homes. Yep. And it's a good way, you know, a common way to get started, you know, uh, so that's perfectly fine to get your feet wet and then expand from there if you want to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. So next week, uh, Matt, we're going to hit on multifamily. Is that correct? Yes. So obviously 
That's what we talk about most on the podcast. We'll hit multifamily. But then as this goes, we're going to dive into other things. We're going to, this is going to be a series. So we're going to dive into retail. We'll dive into office. We'll dive into industrial. We'll dive into self-storage, assisted living. Um, you know, so we're going to, we're going to dig into some of these and we might even go micro into even opportunities within. Um, so we, I, I don't, I, I don't have the whole series. We Matt and I just like just started this, so we don't have the whole series. But we might dive into short-term rentals, uh, Airbnbs, you know, development. Uh, so we'll see how far we take this. But we're going to dive into kind of these asset classes, try to hit some pros and cons, and and talk to you a little bit about you know what's going on in the industry. But there's a lot of food groups out there, uh, Matt, and there's a lot of opportunity for people to do well, to make money. And, uh, and it really be a positive impact, um, if they do it right. Yep. And really there's no right or wrong asset class. Like, uh, you just, you know, explore the different options and choose which one you like the most and makes the most sense for you. Yeah. People always ask me that, like, which, what should I get into? Is it multifamily? Is that the best for me? I'm like, I don't know. What's the, why you tell me what the best for you is multifamily is just something I, I picked, but it doesn't mean it's the best. I, I love it. I think it's great, but I also like a lot of other assets. And I think they're great too. I mean, industrial has been the freaking darling of real estate. Should I have done industrial versus multifamily? Not necessarily, but it's a great asset class. You know, is retail terrible or is, is office terrible? No. Some people are doing extremely well on it. The ones that are doing it right, you know, they're, and they're taking advantage of the opportunity, right? Be, be fearful when people are greedy, be greedy when people are fearful. I mean, they're taking advantage of the fearful people right now. And so there's all these asset classes, they all have advantages and disadvantages. Uh, the key is that you got to dive into them, focus on them, make sure you got the right partners on, on whatever you're doing and you'll do well. Very good. Cool. All right, man. Well, that's a wrap for me. Anything else? Oh uh, yeah. Just one last thing. I want to remind people, April 26th, uh, you're going to be having a lunch and learn event about raising $5 million in a day. And that'll be in um, uh, Roseville. Yeah. So it's going to be myself talking about, um, you know, how we, we raised one of our last raises that we did, uh, not this current one that we're doing, but the last one, um, I guess in, in 2022, uh, we raised $5 million in 24 hours. So we're going to be talking about kind of how we did that, the groundwork. Don't worry. It just, it wasn't just all of a sudden magic. So we'll talk about how we got to that point. And then uh, I'm also going to bring on a couple of investors of mine and we're going to put them on the spot and we're going to talk about, you know, what they look for in a deal and, um, and just kind of some of the importance important things that as a passive investor, you should be aware of. And this is, so this will be helpful for both. If you're listening to this and you're like, Hey, I'm kind of more of a passive investor, or if you're like, Hey, I'm an active investor and I want to do some syndications, I want to raise some money. Um, I think this will be a, a great launch and learn for, for all those types. Yep. Lunch is included, uh, but tickets are limited. So you know, buy yours uh, for $35 each at northstarunlimited.live. Cool. Matt, appreciate it. You have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Thanks to you as well.
Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.